Hello, this is a Jayla Shark and Friends and Russell mm, and Russell podcast. And on today's show, we're talking to the real life Indiana Jones, Simon Thomas. Originally from the UK, Simon's journey to Phuket started with a very interesting yacht delivery and then just gets better and better and better. From gun runner, allegedly, to plant-based restaurant owner, this podcast is why we love doing this podcast. Enjoy the show. Nice to be here. <laughs> Thanks for inviting me. <laughs> Simon Thomas, vegan table. The vegan table. The vegan table. Good How are town. You? Very good. I've but got my macho latte here. Just, you, <laughs> we have all come in here and ordered a variety of different... Colourful uh, drinks, I must say. drinks. Um, your macho latte, which I was assuming was going to be not that. What, what's your macho latte? Well, macho latte is basically a combination of plant-based milk and matcha green tea from Japan. So it's tea, not a coffee? Not really, no. Latte, hence, it's just a, a kind what of hot milk, milk and then we just froth it up and make yeah. it like a latte. So Say vegan milk. Uh, plant-based. What's plant-based milk? So plant-based milk is... Milk um, that comes from a plant. made from plants. Would you know it? So you've got a variety and what we serve here in my restaurant is we have soy milk, we have coconut milk, we have pistachio milk, and we have rice bran milk. And we also have almond milk. So you can choose one of five different types of plant-based milks. I have problem. almond milk at home. I was going to say, I have yeah. almond milk as well. Almond mm. milk's really good on cereals. So a nice sweet Yeah, that's actually, yeah. And it, it's creamy. Yeah. yeah. No, I quite one like that. One of my favorites. <clears throat> that's what I go for. Um, Simon Thomas. You're turning your phone off. Uh, no, I'm, I'm setting a timer. How long have you been in Phuket for? God, a long time. I've known you for about 15 yeah, years. Yeah. You're pointing at Russell then? Yeah, I am yeah. pointing at Russell, yeah. Um, I came here pre-tsunami, so 2004. So that's what, 15, yeah. 16, 17 years? Yeah, something like that, yeah. Yeah, a Why? long time. I came on a holiday. I was living in Bangkok at the time with the then current girlfriend, and we had a two-week holiday down here and just fell in love with Phuket. I mean, basically, back then in 2004, there wasn't much traffic around. It was <laughs> quite a nice place to live. Yeah. And um, I just liked the fact that the air was clean, there was no pollution, it just seemed like a a new place to come and you know start afresh. So. And how long were you in Bangkok for? Prior to that, I lived in Bangkok from 2002 until 2004, so okay, two years. years. Yeah. So what got you to Bangkok? Ah, interesting story. And that's what we're here for. <laughs> <laughs> At last, yeah. okay. 57 episodes in, yeah. we've got an interesting story. We've got an story. interesting story. Okay. And go. Dun, dun, go. Dun, 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 dun. God, this um, better be good. Okay, really good. <laughs> Does so, it involve guns? It does. Hey! <laughs> How do you know? Have I told you the story before? <laughs> no, back in, uh, back in the late 90s, I used to live in Israel and I learned how to dive, scuba dive, yeah? And, um, I wasn't expecting that. You weren't? Uh, no. What, you were thinking muff diving or? <laughs> Israel. <laughs> True. Could be a whole bunch of things, yeah. <laughs> Guns included. Yeah. But anyway, so to, uh, 1998, I went out to uh, Ibiza um, on a yacht. I sailed from Falmouth with a friend of mine. There was two of us. 
and we set off in September of that year. Two two lads on the yacht. Two lads on the yacht. Sailing to Ibiza. I've never. Well, I had a little bit of sailing experience, which I learned in Israel. Um, Obviously. Yeah, I mean, just going out for a go few for. hours and then come, coming back. And then uh, a friend of mine said, oh, I've got a boat to deliver in Saint-Tropez. Would you like to join me? And I was just like, hell yeah. And can you drop me off at Ibiza on the way? Because I had some friends. This all just totally sniffs of drunk, drug, drug, drunk. Gun drug, running. Gun running. That's what I was looking for. It does, doesn't it? Yes. Yeah. In Israel... Then went to Falmouth, met yeah. some dude, some, got on a boat. Some chap that had a boat and wanted me to sail down to Ibiza. Anyway, ended up on this yacht. Didn't really have that much sailing experience. It was the middle of September, worst time to sail across the Bay of Biscay. Massive storms, big <laughs> waves. We destroyed the yacht. Yeah. I mean, this was a half a million pound, state-of-the-art, 56-foot yacht that was being delivered to a very rich customer from Scotland. We. We broke the, broke the mast, the mast. <laughs> we, the staysail, everything. We literally, by the time we got to Saint-Tropez, we were under Rowing engine. <laughs> we were under engine with the sails lashed to the boat. <laughs> and when you say we trashed the boat... Well, the wind and the weather and the waves hand. and everything yeah. else. But yeah, we nearly didn't make it, but we did. So anyway, when I got to Ibiza, a friend of mine, Marcus, who was an old friend I used to work with back in the day, he was also training to be a dive master. So we got together and we decided, oh, what a great idea, let's go to Thailand. So we went, okay. So then my friend that we sailed this yacht, he said, look, I've got a boat leaving Malta in January next year, this was 99, sailing all the way to Phuket, would you like to join? And I was like, I had so much fun on the last boat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> so me and my buddy Marcus, we flew out to Malta the middle of January in the winter. Yeah. And you know what Europe's like in the winter. It's not, it's bleak and yeah. it's horrible. It's horrible. So we got to this marina in Malta and we met up with David. This was a captain's guy, a captain's name. And um, he took us down to the boat. Now the boat was a 36 foot little sail boat. That's it a day yacht. Not, it's yeah, a day yeah, yacht. Yeah, it isn't yeah. like across the ocean. No. So, so um, we got on the boat and it was packed full of junk. You know, Drugs. This, this guy's <laughs> possessions. And apparently the owner was a German guy lived in Phuket, wanted his boat sailing over there for the high season, da di da di da So David said to us, right, we're going to have to clean out all of the cabins because we've got no cabin space, you know, and it's going to be six weeks for us to get to Phuket. So there we were in Malta, taking everything out of the boat, you know, because we needed to get at least one or two cabins. So as we're taking all of the belongings out, suddenly, what do we find? Guns. Guns. <laughs> Shut the front door, really? Seriously. Guns were stowed in the front, in the aft of the, in the front of the, the, the boat, underneath the bunk beds, yeah? And not just guns, but like ammunition, porno movies, pornographic material. There was this, it was cigarettes, contraband, you know? And then David was like, ooh, this is really scary. You know, there could be drugs, there could be anything. So, and if so you carried sail, on searching. <laughs> if you sail from Malta to, um, you know, to Phuket, you've got to go through the Straits of, um, Hormuz, you've got to go through the Suez Canal. These yeah. are all Muslim kind of countries, and you don't want to be caught with contraband and yeah. weapons on your guns boat. Guns are okay, it's... but maybe not the porno. Uh, Were you, how many guns? Like, lots of guns. There was a few. Wow. There was, um, if I remember correctly, there was a, um, like, what, a revolver. There was, a, like, a magnum, you know, like, an automatic. For, for those of you watching yeah, black yeah, and white. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> We're getting hand motions <laughs> of guns. It's brilliant. <laughs> So far, all have been the same, though. Yeah. I did like the revolver, which yeah. was just a circle. Apparently, that's a revolver across. Yeah. Bang, bang. Yeah, that, that was a gun. <laughs> so, 
So. I can't wait till we get to the bazooka. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, you know, the captain's like, right, we've got to get the authorities on board because, you know, if there's like drugs and, you know, we've yeah. got to get the dogs on. So basically the marine police or whatever you want to call them came down with all the sniffer dogs and everything, completely destroyed the boat, took it to part to pieces. And they basically said, right, this boat is being com uh, confiscated, impounded, yeah? and the owner's got to fly in and explain why he has <laughs> all of this undisclosed and, and material. He? he would have done. I mean, but the problem was we were there stranded in the middle of nowhere in the winter in Malta. And we didn't have a penny. I mean, you know, this was a free trip for us to get to Phuket. So back in those days, it was like a phone call to mum. Hey, mum, <laughs> can you, uh, can you like, borrow me a little bit of money so we can fly to, um, to Bangkok? So <laughs> we ended up taking the cheapest flight we could. I think it was a few hundred pounds back then. And it was via Athens, India, God knows how many stops. It was a one-way ticket. And we arrived in Bangkok eventually, I think the beginning of February. That was in 1999. And the whole reason we were coming here is we were going to get jobs as diving instructors and dive masters. And that was the point of us coming here. And we arrived in Phuket in February of that year and looking for work. And that's what brought me to Thailand. That's brilliant. So, Whatever happened to the German dude? Did you? I don't know. Never followed up, really. Huh? I mean, I would imagine he'd have had a real big Just slap on his wrist and pay a lot of money and, you know, find wow. out. But yeah. I mean, but do you think it was his own stuff he was just bringing out? I mean, there was there was two or three guns on there, yeah, and there's a lot of ammunition. And so I mean, I don't know. Sailors say that they like to carry guns with them because you know there's a lot of pirates, pirates and stuff. Yeah. So maybe sailing around Djibouti and around that area is pretty risky. Um, That's so a having small a, boat, though, for someone who. It's but a tiny I'm, boat. Yeah, it is. What I'm taking, what I've learned so far from this, is that you are shit on boats. I know. I know. <laughs> you and boats. I know. Don't don't. If there's don't. a boat party and you rock up, I'm getting off. Seriously, I'm very unlucky. <laughs> <laughs> so did you become a dive master? I did. So in 2000, uh, so in 99, I spent the whole of that year training and working here in Thailand and in Malaysia. So I used to work over in Koh Tao, and a, a nice place called Malaysia. Planet Scuba, um, where I spent three, four months over there. And then I got another job in another dive school down in the Prohentian Islands, which is on the east coast of Malaysia, near Kuala Basud. So I spent a year pretty much living an idyllic lifestyle, just waking up in the morning in my bungalow on the beach and sunrise and going out doing two or three dives a day. Nice. Great. Yeah. <laughs> so we've talked before on my affair podcast and you also have an art background and a, a collector background. Yeah, so was that before? Yeah, before all of this. So this was before the oh, Before the guns and the yeah, boats. Yeah, before the guns and the boats. This is before my Ibiza days. This is when I was a little kid. Yeah. So uh, me and my dad used to go around like um, car boot sales. Yeah, remember those? Yeah. yeah. And um, we used to go to like antique fairs and auctions and I used to buy a load of stuff and then, you know, basically go and trade it, you know, sell it on to other people for a profit. Um, so from the age of 14, I kind of learned the business myself. And then by me coming out here to Asia, I looked at something which I'd never really had much of an interest in before, which was Chinese and Asian art. Mm -hmm. So in the late 90s, early 2000s, I was like, look at all this stuff. You know, I'd go to all the antique shops when I was here because that was my passion. So I'd always look for old English antiques that I could send back home and make a profit on. Yeah. So I'd like trawl through all the markets in Bangkok and you know, around Malaysia, Singapore, Cambodia, Vietnam, and just look for European stuff that I knew about. And then when I was around these shops and markets, I would see all of this Asian expensive bronze deities and vases, and I didn't know enough about it. So I started to um, 
kind of buy a few bits and try to you know sell them back in the UK. But what I found is when I used to go back to the UK, there was so much of this stuff over there, very cheap, that I thought, well, why don't I buy that there and bring it over here and sell it to these guys? <laughs> so instead of doing it that way, originally, which is buying the English stuff and sending it back to England, I started to buy the Chinese stuff in England bring and bring here. it back here and sell it to the Chinese people. As and you that's, do. As you do. That's a little bit like selling coal to a miner <laughs> or bread to a baker. <laughs> um, but I started doing that in 2000, yeah? And then that's what kind of created my kind of position here in, in, in Thailand as a sort of long-stay um, resident. Do you have a whip? Like uh, Indiana Jones? Yeah, yes. yeah, that's exactly what I've I'm got going. a whip, I've got a hat, I've got the jacket. Brilliant, that's all I want yeah, to know. Yeah. No, he's one of my idols. Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, but, it, but would you do that kind of thing, joking aside, if someone said to you, can you go and find, because I'm jumping ahead here, because I know this answer, I think. But if someone said, right, we're looking for something, would you scowl the things yeah, you're looking for? It? I have done it. Yeah, I mean, this is, as, as, as I started to work in the UK and Europe, bringing things back from, um, from there to sell over here, you know, I learned a lot about the business, yeah? I learned a lot. And not only that, I went and studied as well. So I went back for a year in 2001 until the beginning of 2002, and I did a postgrad at the British Museum where I won a scholarship to actually study for free. And it was all about Chinese art. So I was studying within the British Museum and it was affiliated with SOAS. So I got to meet all of the, the lecturers, the, uh, you know, the academics, all of the dealers, all of the people in the know, all of the, you know, the tops people of the, the, stuff. you know, the auction houses. So I had an inn where I could like, you know, talk turkey with people. How, how did that come about? That's turkey. another long story. But yeah. <laughs> Does it involve boats and guns? No, it invo involves an Israeli Or a girl. woman. A woman. There's a woman. Okay. Isn't it true that in the British Museum, I think you told me this last time we talked, that only a, 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 fraction. Small, a fraction of the stuff yeah. is actually up in, on show. The yeah. rest of it is all... Underneath, yeah. in catacombs, yeah. And you got down into those yep. catacombs? Yeah, we used to go down there, not regularly, but we'd go down and have a little sniff around. Try to put a few things in my bag as well. <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, I'd have like whatever they've got upstairs. There's like three or four of the same downstairs, but obviously lesser quality or maybe not mm. as stunning as the ones they have on show. But the thing with the British Museum, as opposed to American museums, is they're not legally allowed to sell any of the objects that they actually own because they get bequeathed by people that have died or you know. Um, people have passed and then, you know, they just have to store all this stuff and it's all down there underneath the British Museum. So, so who owns it? The British Museum owns it, but yeah. they can't do anything with it? I think it's a trust. I don't know. Is it, is it the National Trust or something? Trust yeah. Must be, yeah. yeah. But I mean, it, it'd be a really good robbery, wouldn't it? If you could get into the sewers in London, yeah? I kind of know exactly where... Well, you the, know where to go. Yeah. I know where to go. now everyone knows that it's you. Oh, well, this hasn't gone out yet. We could cut this bit. You could cut podcast. this bit and we could talk about it later. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Can we delay it a week so we can get this done first? If, if there's a reward for yeah. finding the person who robbed the British Museum, I want that. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely, yeah. But there's been quite a few robberies in England. I think there was um, the Fitzwilliam Museum in Cambridge was robbed uh, five years ago by a group of uh, Eastern European kind of bandits, if you want to call them that. And they robbed, they, were, they, were, they knew what they were doing. They went to the museum and they stole the most prized Chinese artifacts as if they were stolen to order. So someone had gone in the museum right, and they yeah. were like, hmm, I like that. I like that. 
bars up there and that jade and that bit of bronze. How okay. easy is it to flog that kind of stuff on the market? Well, if it's well, if it's pre-bought. If it's pre-bought and easily. Yeah. But I mean, if I was to go and steal, like, let's say, a Chenlong vase from the British Museum. Allegedly. Allegedly. I mean, not that I would. Um, you could pass it off, but, you know, there'd certainly be some questions asked. Yeah. You know, you'd never be able to get the real value for it. So let's say it's worth 10 million. You'd probably get like 50,000 or something for it. You'd never get anywhere close to Because you could never sell that on again. No, exactly. You know, the, once, it, that's it. Yeah. That's it. It's, it it's they done. either love it just as an object to keep at home and not show anybody. Because all of the things in museums are documented anyway. That's you know, they have case files, you know, they've got like literally rows and drawers and drawers and drawers of just pictures and where it came from, who owned it, size, measurements, defects. So it's very difficult for you to, oh, I didn't know. Yeah. What's the best thing you've ever seen? The best thing I've ever seen or the best thing I've ever found? Oh, good one. Uh, found. The best thing I've ever found from a financial point of view or from an artistic? Right. Either. Uh, Both. Either or. Okay, financially was a vase I bought on eBay about 10 years ago that was in California. There was a chap that was selling a whole bunch of stuff. He took a... I'll show you actually. I've got a picture of it on my phone. Yeah. And you can Congrats see... Great podcast. Yeah, this is real. <laughs> at least we can understand. And you, you can understand we, what I'm talking about. Otherwise, because you're, you can describe works. it. Here we go. I'll let you do that bit, shall I? Yeah. Right, so <laughs> this is one thing that I bought in California back in 2009. I'm just Simon's going through his 1,500 pictures. So this is kind of like in a quirky way, kind of like an antiques roadshow kind of thing. It is, yeah, and kind someone's of digital got nomad. They don't know what they've got. Basically, yeah. And eBay right. is one of those places where you can actually, you know, this is what. And this is the actual picture that the guy took. So it just looks like a blue and white vase. It's a terrible picture. He My mum's got two of those at home. Actually. He's used a flash, a bad flash. Yeah. Okay. Taken out on his driveway. So how much did he want for that? Right, so he put that on uh, eBay for $9.99. Okay, and when you saw that, did you straight away go, that's, that's something that, yeah. nice? Yeah. Yeah, because this is what I studied. And when I was at the British Museum, to supplement my stay in London, you know, living in London isn't expen is it expensive. Yeah. And I had a nice apartment in Surrey Keys on the river overlooking, you know, it costs money. Need to, a lot of, I need to, yeah. I need to work. Which is so, why I was robbing the museum to pay well, for my yeah. apartment. <laughs> well, I use my time there very well, yeah. you know. And I would scour eBay during my study times, of course, that's what I was doing. And I would look for objects, because, okay, let's say this week we're going to be studying about Korean painting with uh, Dr. Jung Sung Pak. So then I'd be, like, looking through eBay at, you know, paintings, and then I'd see something, you know. And this is another great story. There was this chap in California who was selling a load of paintings, right? And I'd just finished the Korean module at the British Museum. And um, this painting came up, and it was a Guanyin, which is the goddess of mercy. And it was a big, long scroll. And it was on eBay, and it was, you know, again, it was $10 or something. I was like, God, this is just what I've been studying. It's, it's the same. It's identical. And I've got a really good eye to ascertain whether something's real or it's yeah. a fake. You know? So I was like, it's genuine, right? Anyway. At that time, I was like, okay, I had a few friends. I said, hey guys, you want to put some money in a kitty? I've got, I've got a business idea. I think there's something we can buy, make a lot of money on. So some of my good friends said, oh yeah, I'll chuck a couple of grand in. So collectively, we got about 10 grand together. I was like, okay. So eBay came. I put a bid in, you know, auctions stealer, you know, that one that snipes yeah. three seconds before it closes, so yeah. no one really can bid again. Yeah. So we put a bid in, 10 grand. 
we bought the painting for six thousand dollars. I forget what exchange rate was then, but it wasn't a lot, maybe four thousand quid. So we were like, yay! Painting arrived in London in my apartment, and I went down and I spoke to Dr. Young Sun Pak, and I said, look, I've got something I'd like you to just authenticate for me because you're obviously the, you know, the, the creme de la creme of, of Korean paintings. You know, you're... so anyway, I had a meeting with her in her office in Soas, and her husband is uh, Professor Dr. Roderick Whitfield. Yeah, he's an eminent Whitfield. Whitfield. He's an eminent, um, you know, uh, academic in Chinese art. He's got loads. I've got loads of his books in the back there. Anyway, so I'm starting to roll this scroll down, and like I hear this voice in the back. Oh my God! I was like, what's happened? She had a heart attack or something. She was like, it's beautiful. I was like, really? Am I? All right, okay. Kept rolling it down. She was just like. Oh, she was in shock. You could just see the face was like, she'd never seen anything like this before. And where did you get this? I explained the story about this seller in California that was selling his uncle's collection of old scroll paintings. Anyway, she goes, oh, I've got to have it. I was like, what? I only want you to see if it's real or not. She goes, look, would you, would you mind just waiting outside? I need to speak to my husband, Roderick. I was like, okay. So I stood out in the corridor, sat down. Five minutes later, they open the door. Come back in. I was like, well, what's up? She goes, well, look, we'll give you everything we own to have this painting. I was like, what? I was like, what are you talking about? I only want you to say if it's real or not, so I can go and, you know, put it in an auction or something. She goes, no, you can't let this leave. She goes, I wrote my PhD on this subject. I need this painting, you know. You know, me being a bit green back then and naive, I was like, well, what, how much are we talking about? We've got twenty-five thousand pounds. We can pay you cash right now. I was like, um, hold on a second. Let me just, <laughs> let me just call my friends. <laughs> right. So I, I literally walked down the corridor. And I called, you know, my mates up. I said, "You won't believe this. <laughs> that painting we just bought. Well, I'm just taking it to my professor, my teacher, and she's offered us twenty-five grand cash." And everyone was like, take it, take it, take it. So they brought me down to HSBC Bank and literally there and then handed me over £25,000 in cash. Holy crap. Yeah. And me being a poor student and all, that was like a lot of money. money. That's a lot of beer money, that is. So I was just like, oh, bloody hell, this is brilliant. (laughs) So the the obvious question is... Well, what did I sell? That's the... Yeah, and what was it worth? Well, exactly. That's me being naive and green at the time, now knowing what I know now. Yeah, I probably With, sold a million pound painting right, for, yeah, okay, yeah, for yeah. 25 grand, yeah. you know, and it's not the first, it won't be the last that's happened in my but life. The thing is, that's, it was worth 6,000 US to you. It wasn't worth a million, so well, 25 it, grand still would be good. Yeah, I mean, that was what, 40,000 US, I think, yeah. at that exchange rate back then. So this 999 Right, so US, go back to the vase. Yeah. This is the most financially, um, how do you say, the biggest winner for me personally from one item that I bought. So anyway, this vase, this came up, we're talking about 10 years later. So I've always, eBay's the place to find things, you know, if you've got a really good eye. Yeah. So this vase came up and the guy's got it on for 9 99 Tinder as well if you've got a good eye. But... Yeah, my eyes aren't very good at women. I always end up with, I always end up with the wrong ones. <laughs> um, so anyway, the vase came up and I was like, right, that's, that's a real winner. And I'm like scratching around again, and I didn't call my friends this time. I was like, I could do this on my own. I'm gonna do it on my own, you know. I've got, I've got in for a penny. big cojones, I'm gonna do it. So I was like, right, I've got 25 grand pounds in my bank, yeah. So eBay, 25 grand, that's a big bid. So anyway, 
Same again, auction stealer. £25,000. Yeah. What? That's a very high bid. What was the bid in before that? Well, it was only about a few hundred dollars. So why, so why did, did you, you go, go in at high? 25 grand? Because someone else might see it, like me, thinking it's something special and bid a high amount. So you've got to be a bit like pokey. You've just got to go in there really high. And hope they just, and say, hope oh, that, just take that. And hope they don't, and not as ballsy as you are. Right. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, put the bid in. I'm sitting there online watching eBay. You know, it counts down, mm -hmm. you know, one minute and you're like, oh. And then suddenly like it starts pinging, you know, one minute. Oh, it's up to a few thousand. Oh, fuck. Excuse me. And then get down to 20 seconds. It's, oh, it's up to 5,000. I was like, oh, no. You know, and it gets down to that last three seconds and suddenly, it, you know, it blanks off. You can't yeah. see anything and you've got to wait for it to refresh. $25,600 or whatever it was. Not your bid. Oh, <gasps> oh did I die? I was, oh my, how on earth has someone outbid me on that? I mean, the bid before that was about seven or 8,000. Someone else had gone higher than me. Yeah. Anyway. The, the owner, he had another vase that I actually bought for $1,000. So I paid him straight away for that. I said, right. I said, look, I started speaking to him. Back then, you could email them and message yeah. them. I was like, that vase, I underbid at $25,000, right? I'm prepared to pay you now for that vase. If you have any trouble with the other buyer, for any reason, just cancel the sale and send me the invoice and I'll pay immediately. And he said, oh, look, I've got to let the buyer have a week or whatever it takes for him to, you know, to pay. And, you know, I was like, oh, that week was the longest week of my life. But then I get a message on the seventh day. He's like, look, I've got a message back from the buyer. He said, he's asking me to wait for a month for him to get the money together. Yeah. So if you're still willing to buy it, I'll cancel the sale and I'll issue you with an invoice. You pay it and it's yours. I was like, yes. yes. <laughs> Sent the money to him. About two weeks later, the vase arrives. You know when something comes in a box, you just, it's the anticipation of it's like- Christmas, right? Yeah. Well, is it real? Yeah. Because you know? yeah. sometimes you can get it wrong. Yeah. Uh, fair enough, I get that on the Zada, actually, to be fair. <laughs> I've got right a couple size? of trainers. Well, I've got wrong sizes a couple of times. And I've wrong also, color. Well, I've got some Nikes, but definitely not Nikes. <laughs> so I, I know where you're going. Yeah. <laughs> about the same level. Yeah. yeah, so I open the box up and then- You get chipped in the post. Well, it happens, yeah. seriously. I, many many times open the box up and you can see straight away whether it's real or not and i was like and, and it was saying oh my fucking god for those right, people okay. who didn't <laughs> <laughs> so anyway picked it up and i was like right this is the the bee's knees so i was like literally got on the phone booked a flight to hong kong rang my friend up at christie's that i knew from you know working in the museum and stuff and i was like i've got something really really special for you went up and met him he was like wow Wow, where did you get this from? And I told him the story, the same story as I've told you. He's like, right. He goes, well, look, let's stick it in at three to five million. Yeah, we'll just. I'm sorry. Three to five million US. Hong Kong dollars. Right. Which okay. is about half a million US. A million okay. US. okay. Yeah, at the time. At that time. That's still a pretty penny profit. Yeah, well. Yeah. I'm, sen I'm sensing there's more coming. Oh, <laughs> this story gets really, really fun. So the sale was meant to be, this was 2010. So the sale was meant to be in November of that year. So this is August or something when I flew up, plenty of time, gave me the contract and everything. It was all signed and sealed, yeah? I'm like dreaming about yachts and all sorts of things. No, yeah. not yachts, mate. No. <laughs> Stay away from <laughs> I want to get better at sailing. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, the dreaded phone call came. 
in the end of September. Simon, it's Nick in Hong Kong. I said, oh, hi, Nick. Yeah, how are you? Yeah, we've got a bit of a problem. I was like, well, what? You haven't broke the vase, have you? He goes, well, not quite. He said, um, someone's had a look at it and they don't think it is what it is. I was like, rubbish. I said, it's, we sat there. I've looked at it. You've looked. Yes, I agree with you, but someone's come in and they poo-pooed your vase. So we can't sell it. I was like, what? I said, I've got the, no, just, we're not, we're not going to be able to sell it. I was like, you know, you, you, you're dreaming of all the of these things. All the and down. then suddenly it's like, wow. oh, you know, 25 grand yeah. down the drain. And I've got a vase that they're telling me is a fake. <laughs> How can I get it so wrong? I mean, I'm, I've been doing this thing for 30 years. How can I be wrong? Anyway, flew up to Hong Kong, got the vase. And then I rang an old friend up from being, you know, in London and studying that was one of the top dealers in London, a guy called James. And he has a big gallery down in Mayfair. So I've dealt with him over the years with little objects. So I sent him pictures of this. I said, hey, can you help me out with this? He said, look, that's cracking. That's a cracking vase. Not literally, I hope. Yeah. No, there's not a crack in the vase. It says a cracking one. <laughs> so I flew out to London in, uh, I think it was the November uh, that year. And I had a meeting with him in his office and he said, look, can't fault this. This is... Why did the one in Hong Kong? We'll get to that. We'll get oh, to that. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. The, the story evolves, yeah. Um, so I left it in there and he goes, well, look, what do you want for it? I was like, because I was feeling a bit down then. I wasn't as confident as, as I was. I was like, oh. 10 million yeah. cash. <laughs> yeah. I said, look, I want a million quid. Yeah. And he goes, all right. He says, I've got a client that would be interested. We've got to get a spe um, uh, one of the professors from the museum. I was like, great, I know them, who? It's uh, Jessica Rawlings to come and have a look at it. She'll do a, write a paper about it and we'll see if we can get you a mill. Yeah. Anyway, a week later, 10 days, yeah, I get a phone call from James. Yeah? He's like, on the phone, he's like, look, I'm with the client now. He's offered a million US cash. Do you want it? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a million is a million, right? <laughs> Go on then. Yeah. <laughs> Twist that arm. All right. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So I accepted. Yeah. That was, you know, that was the deal. So that vase, the twenty-five thousand, that, that terrible, terrible, awful picture. Yeah. Turned out to be over a million US. Yep. And the guy that sold that had no idea how much. Not it was a Scooby Doo. And you said you had another one that you bought. Another one I bought at the same time for $1,000, yeah. which I thought was good. But when I received it and I took it up to Hong Kong, they also said it wasn't good. And I subsequently kept that and didn't sell it. Right. And have you still got that one? No, I ended up giving it away. Oops. Yeah. But yeah. It's not, that one isn't a good one. Okay. Right. Yeah. But this one was a good one. So just out of interest, what was... What was so good about it? Well, this it? was an imperial vase from the Yongcheng Emperor. So he reigned China back in 1723 for 12 years until 1720, 1735. And he was the father of the eminent Emperor Qianlong. And um, his reign was such a short period. Anything with his, um, yeah, I can show you his seal mark. So he's got the Chinese inscription on the bottom here. So that basically says the great Yongcheng Emperor of China. That's what I thought it said. Yeah, you can tell with the yeah. little bits at the top. <laughs> Looks like a cheap tattoo from Patong. <laughs> yeah. Probably says Coca-Cola or something. Far out. 
Um, did you ask the dude to send these pictures to you? No, were they, the they were the eBay? ones on eBay. Yeah. So you must not be the only. So you were just you're right. So that other dealer that did the twenty five, mm. six hundred. He just couldn't come up with the cash in time. Yeah. Far out. That's madness. Mm. So I've got a Chinese scroll at the house. I'm going to bring to you to have a look at. Please do. Yeah. Yeah. Don't look at me. I'm no, 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 sorry, no, my mom's got. We lived in Hong Kong for twelve years. Ago. Well, I mean that's the stuff where that's the place my, where all my, of this. My dad, my, my stepdad, um, just, I mean, it was the 80s and the 90s and the, you know, the height of sort of expat culture. And there was, there was all these sort of things being, sort of, you know, gifts being given around. So we've got these all sort of vases and sort of bits of... Um, Let me come and have a look. Yeah, absolutely, mate. You might be sitting so, on a million pound vase. Yeah, yeah I'm quite happy with that. I've got a PlayStation 1. Yeah. <laughs> yeah they're, unfortunately, they're not quite the worth scroll, that much yet. I took loads of pictures of the scroll, because it's, it's huge. It's, it's meters long, it's like six meters long. Scroll long. Yeah. Um, and sent it to a few auction houses in Hong Kong and Singapore. And I think they were offered about between. They said you can probably get three to five thousand for at an auction, maybe. Okay. So when was this? A long time ago. No, this is a couple of years ago. Oh, a couple of years ago. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, we've had it for thirty odd years. Yeah. Before. Well, it'd be a named artist. I mean, the contemporary art market in China is still booming. Sweet. Yeah, particularly scrolls. Yeah, they like a good scroll. I'll go. Yeah. I've no idea where I put it now. Do you still collect? I scrolls, do. Yes. <laughs> I still look. I mean, I'm always looking because you never know when that's yeah, going to yeah, happen yeah, again. Exactly, yeah. And it has happened a few times. This isn't the first and it won't be the last. I mean, the thing is now it's a lot more difficult because the Chinese have become very, very good at copying, mastering copying yeah. to the extent the market is flooded with so many good fakes that it makes your eyes go googly after a while because you're just looking at a thousand objects and they're all fake and you just even though you've got that knowledge it just sometimes it's a lot more difficult now to pick the really really good ones i still pick them but not as often as i but used also, to it's the market that you're aiming for because there's two sides to that one is you're saturating the market with a million fakes and one really good one and you're looking for that one really good one at the same time from a buyer perspective the the mass market well i mean it kills it well, it kills them, but also who cares about whether it's real or fake? They look identical. Yeah. No one's going to know. Yeah. Who cares? Only those people that are very particular about it being genuine. Exactly. But that and the value down. it's associated And for to you, it. if you've bought that, to find that particular person, that's the, that becomes that much harder because it's... it's a, once again, I'll revert back to my go-to of Lazada. I've got a NBA basketball top, which I know is fake, but I'll wear it because it's cheap and it looks pretty similar. <laughs> I'm very happy with that. Hmm? Mm. I love counterfeit stuff. So, Bring it on. Go on. So how did we get from Indiana or, Jones? Indiana Jones, whips and hats, and crashing boats and trashing boats. And gun running. Gun running. And scuba diving. Scuba diving and multi-billion-dollar artworks to a vegan restaurant in Phuket Town. Uh, I would say maybe my. Which, but if I may say, is beautifully done out thank you very much no it's yeah. re it, it really is very very cool um i guess since living here and doing the art i've always been interested in food and i've always had a restaurant this is stuff you couldn't sell by the way <laughs> yeah this is all, this, these are all the fakes lots of pictures yeah. just turn to my right and there is a um what do you call that a shelving unit looks like a, a nice stainless steel one handmade with some glass and loads of Artifacts. Artifacts. Objects of art. Is anything up there 
priceless. Or, well, not priceless, but is there some expensive shit up there? Is there anything up there that's worth a bob, and which one is it? And then can you go, oh, oh my god, what's it, that over there? Let's see if you guys can, uh, what would you pick? out of all of those objects oh, up there. Oh, see, once again, this is a great game for the podcast. <coughs> um, we're looking at stuff. Okay, I, I do... I quite like the jade dragons, but I'm, I'm attracted to the jade. Yeah, I'm attracted to the jade dragons as well. Not so much the, the name jade, but just the dragons. So you think that's jade, yeah? No, I, I just said it because Russell said it. They're very heavy. They're, very... No, they're, they're not heavy at all, are they? You're, you're, that's a plastic. It's plastic, yeah. is it? Yeah. Okay, well, we're shit at this. Yeah. <laughs> We've just spotted a jade dragon, which is made of plastic, I'm guessing. Yeah. Mm. No rattle inside. No, I was going to say, is it? Yeah. Oh, well. Um, so that was the first job was shit. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, there's a dude there with his dinky out, put his hands in the air. Very similar to my pose when I almost threw the log <coughs> on the bull. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> the yeah, French yeah. bulldogs the over there. The yeah. um, is that Adam, isn't it? Is that who? It's Adam. I is it Adam? I think so. He's got a fig leaf over his gonads. Well, it doesn't make him Adam, does it? I thought it did, didn't it? <coughs> so it's not that. No. Um, I'm going to go for either this blue bars up here or that blue one up there. Well, that's because you've just looked at yeah. Simon's yeah. blue one on his phone. <laughs> well, both of those are fake. Well done, Russell. But if they were real, what would they be worth? Uh, if that one was real, that, that's a, a copy of a Schwender vase from the 14th century. They just sold that one in Christie's in Hong Kong for about 10 million US dollars. There you go. Oh, Thank you very much. Good eyes, yeah. it's a cool and that's vase. a copy of a Chenlong moon flask, which if that was real, that would be in the region of about a mil. Or right, so I've just spotted 21 million dollars worth of kit. Over to you, Jay. <laughs> I like this cat. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. It's an ancient Egyptian Five Dynasties cat from the go. tomb of Tutankhamun. There you go. Yeah. Worth worth an absolute fortune. There you go. See, job yeah. done. End of the podcast. Thank you very much. I'm amazing. I spotted the cat. I always knew I was good at spotting pussy. <laughs> Vegan. And it cost you a lot as well. <laughs> yeah, it has. But I think it's cost both Simon and I some money. Yeah, all right. Look, yeah. Watching cats. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, let's not go down that path. Let's think positive. So, so yeah, how do restaurants, we get to... vegans. So, okay, restaurants. So since I've been here, I've always had an interest in food. Yeah. Uh, I first opened a restaurant around the corner, and I, it was called Juice. And we used to do uh, juices. Yeah. Do you remember juice? It was an internet juice, cafe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. internet cafe. Internet. It was, you know, in the old days when, were, yeah. <laughs> when people used to use internet yeah. cafes. So I, I opened this place over there. It was called Juice. So we used to do fresh smoothies, juices, yeah. and really comfy armchairs with fast internet, with big screens. Well, yeah, when you say fast internet, from... Well, it was about, like, at the time, it was like 300 ago. kilobytes yeah. per yeah, second yeah, yeah. or something. <laughs> Everyone going there logging on to Hotmail. Yeah. Yeah. Hotmail, yeah. Dial up the connections, yeah. Yeah. checking their friends reunited. Those were the days. Um, so that's, that's where it started, really. And then over the years, just progressed and, you know, took over these two shops in 2004, 2005. And then this one was in 2009. And then we set up um, a couple of restaurants. Um, and the last one being the food gallery, which I run with my cousin Jack, where we try to do a kind of bistro style setting with kind of fancy European food. It was a bit quirky, okay. uh, maybe a little bit before its time. And um, we run that for a couple of years. And it was a very expensive um, hobby, if right. you see what I mean. Um, so I decided to scale back a little bit and then about two or three years ago I was back in the UK and a really good friend of mine that lived in Brighton made me sit down and watch a documentary. Dominion? No, it's called What the Health. Oh yeah, yeah. And if you've seen yeah, it, yeah, yeah. you'll know. 
And then I went seriously from eating, I think at the time I was eating a wild bull pizza, you know, in his living room. That's what I was eating. I was gobbling away and I started watching this documentary. And my mate warned me, he says, you'll watch this and it'll change your life. I was like, nah, what are you talking about? I started watching this documentary and no shit. By the end of the, the thing, I was throwing the pizza in the bin. I was like, I can't eat meat anymore. I can't drink dairy. I can't eat cheese. That's it. I'm going to go back and I'm going to be a vegan. Literally there and then, I stopped. Wow. So I came back to Thailand, I told all myself, I said, right, that's it, we're not gonna do any more Western food again, like with meat or fish or anything, we're gonna go vegan, yeah? And like, I think half my staff quit. Yeah, they were like, say, how did that something, go? Yeah. something wrong with you. <laughs> so the first dish I said to my chef, I said, right, I'm vegan, make me something. So he came with a bowl of lettuce leaves and tomatoes and cucumber. I was like, this is exactly what I need to change. I need yeah. to change the perception exactly. of vegan food because this is what I think people are used to eating. It's like, you go into a restaurant, can I order vegan? They'll give you literally a bowl of lettuce leaves or salads. And I was like, this has got to change. So I spent eight months, you know, practicing at home, coming up with new ideas, new menus, being creative with my new array of ingredients, which was everything that didn't contain meat. So no, the, so the vegan table, so you got the outdoor bit. Yep. The indoor bit. Yep. Showroom. Showroom. So showroom used to be a gallery. So basically, I used to have all my objects down here as well. So since we opened up as a vegan, we got really busy and then we needed more space. So all the objects had to go. Right. And then we made a new kitchen upstairs. Oh, so, OK. Wow. So the kitchen so the upstairs. whole upstairs is like a big prep kitchen. So we do gotcha. all the preparation up there. Okay. All the baking, making the pies, burgers, sausages, everything. So. And you've just started doing your own, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Produce as well. Yep. We're manufacturing, distributing vegan products now all over the country. So we've got a range of sauces, pickles, mayos. We do all our frozen burgers, gluten-free pizza bases. We've got vegan pies. We've got everything. And we've recently even got our own kombucha brewery. Uh, right. Have you tried this, yeah? No. Not yet. No, okay. Vegan, we've talked about vegan and I, I'm totally on board with vegan I'm totally cool with the vegan stuff what I'm not on board with is kombucha I just don't understand every man and his dog in the whole of Phuket all of a sudden is now making kombucha and kombucha is this new thing it's this new great thing that's gonna, I thought green tea was a new great thing <laughs> I thought plastic was a really good thing years ago what is it about kombucha and why does every man and his dog and every expat mum who's got nothing better to do think that they can make kombucha well, it's something you can make at home, so everybody can make it, and it doesn't take a lot of um, creativity. You just follow very simple steps. It's fermented tea, is it not? Basically, yeah. yeah. So you use two types of tea, green tea, black tea. You put some sugar in. Why is it green and black? Why, what's wrong with white tea? Racist? Uh, well, it's true. Though. Good point, but I've never yeah. seen white tea. God. Where'd you get white We're tea We're onto from? something here. Yeah. Uh, let's, let's create that. Yeah, yeah. that's right. No long black and green tea. They've got the. They've had power. their day. Yeah. 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 Wonder what white tea would look like. White tea power. I'm guessing sure you can slightly, say that. Yeah. Slightly white, like yeah. milk. Don't know. Yeah. Can't have milk either. No. You're screwed. It. No, really. no. 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 So, so anyway, so fermented tea. Fermented tea is basically a combination of water, sugar, and two types of tea. Yeah. And you leave it to we ferment ours for two weeks. You're pickling. Without kind pickling. Of. There's one secret ingredient which you need, and that's called scoby. Scooby? 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 That's two podcasts in a row. And I have to say, he did this last week on, on Yvonne's podcast. You did your Scooby Doo impression. And I listened back to it and I went, 
such a really good Scooby-Doo impression. <laughs> I was actually, I, was, I should have thought, I don't think I did, I was going to phone you up and say, actually, that's, that's probably your best impression. That's my only impression. Oh, there you go, that's why. So you put some Scooby-Doo in it. You put some Scooby-Doo in it. And any flavours you want, because there's raspberries. Well, yeah, so the Scooby-Doo basically makes it, turns it (laughs) into kombucha. So it's just a natural kombucha. So it's basically fermented tea, which has loads of probiotics in there, enzymes, active enzymes, and all the goodness that we, at the moment, don't really have in our gut anymore because we eat so much processed food and garbage that all of those natural enzymes that break down your food just get... Is it very similar to eating... um, the, the natural yogurt that does the same yeah, sort of thing. Yeah, but basically. As, yeah. as, as a, a drink. plant-based person, yeah. you can't have the natural yogurt because that comes from... Well, you can. You can get it from coconut. You can create a coconut yogurt, which is the same as a dairy yeah. yogurt, that has exactly the same properties and even pretty much tastes the same. Really? Yeah, yeah. yeah with I've coconut milk. I've never milked a coconut before. You never milked a coconut? Well, not. I haven't got boobs. <laughs> you grab the... Boobies. You've really got to squeeze. Yeah, you've got to squeeze oh, really hard. Really got to squeeze. Okay, so you take the green coconut, because where we grew up, Simon, when, at our age... Well, a coconut shower is the hairy brown yeah, ones. Yeah, you can't do the hairy brown no, ones. They've, 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 no, you've got to use the fresh, young ones. Very careful where ones. we go with this. <laughs> we say, we talk about what we look for in a, in, a, in a lady? Russ and I had a conversation on the way to your place. <sighs> What's the first thing you look for in a lady? Pulse. That's, that was Russell's answer. <laughs> Mine was slightly... Well, lack, not slightly. Was a, was a lot more disturbing, and we won't go down that path. <laughs> okay, so you do your own kombucha, which I'm noticing you're doing in reused and sterilised soda bottles. Yeah, so we um, recycle all of our bottles. So if you buy your kombucha from us, we will come back and pick up your used bottles, and we will recycle them. So there's no waste, or we limit the amount and of waste that. Although I have your kombucha bottles, I have a hatred for kombucha. Um, I do like the fact you're selling it in small bottles because every time I see it, people have just got like this massive bottle of kombucha on their desk. Yeah, so our bottles are 300 ml, 330 ml each, yeah. But you can buy the big litre bottles if yeah. you want, if you drink a lot of the stuff. Um, but the little bottles are easier because you can take them I out with you. I just diluted water and just, that's... Do you actually drink kombucha yeah, as well? Yeah, I see. Yeah. We've got a combu- fellow kombucha drinker. stuff that he does, which I think is bollocks as well, <laughs> though, to be fair. To, to be fair, he's yeah. got a point there, yeah. Um, we I did prefer the fruit it. ones. Yeah, because we had... Um, old puppies, Christina puppies, Christina yes. puppies wildly. Um, she gave us some kombucha to try. I didn't mind; it was all right. But it just tasted like flat. Yeah, I mean, so she gave us a shot with the different flavors. Right. right. Um, the cinnamon so, one was good because it reminded me of Christmas. Yeah, yeah. One, the, yeah. the aniseed one was fucking horrible, but I hate aniseed anyway. Um, and I've I've got like a mango one, a passion fruit one, I've got a strawberry one, and I, I like fruits and I like the sweet taste. So I mean. And what's the one thing we're supposed to be drinking to be healthy? Water. Yeah. Everyone yeah. says you've got to drink three pieces of water a day. Who the fuck is going to do that? No one. No. But if you put something in it to exactly, taste it, to make it, it taste nice. That's all I do it for. What kind of orange squash? Sugar. It's good for you. Gives you energy. No. Listen, when we were all growing up, orange squash was fine, and now you see. Yeah, yeah, Kiora. Look how we turned out. <laughs> you remember Kiora? <laughs> oh, I love Kiora. <laughs> Kiora is lovely. Umbongo? Um, yeah. That wasn't there. Part line. Yeah. Um, just come back to this place uh, just quickly so you've got your indoor like indoors your downstairs indoor restaurant we've got outside, outside and we've got a kitchen outside as well where we and do where all the, the prep where work. the restrooms restrooms are upstairs good to know be back yeah go and have a look it's an interest <laughs> some interesting iconography above the door have you just done that on the podcast yes it's never been done before he's walking off <laughs> so what does simon and i do just jibber jabber for a little i get nervous when it's just two of us russell don't leave Help me here me. with him <laughs> 
Right, well, he's gone now, so you can tell me exactly what was he like when, because you knew him when he was living in Phuket Town. Yeah, I mean, Russell, we used to hang out, we used to do some, um, Russell used to do these events down at the Hilton Hotel, these kind of like team building um, exercises. Did he ever tell you about this? No. So I used to go along to some of them. So he used to basically, I don't know where he'd bring people in from Malaysia or Singapore, but he used to do these events down at the Hilton. Ask him about it. I was going back a I'm long time ago. Of, he's Mr. Motivator. Yeah. <laughs> is he like what? what? Oh. Seriously? <laughs> he didn't know about that. No. Ask like him about what? it. This is going back about quite a long time, maybe 15 years ago. What would ago. you get everyone to jump up and to get yeah, you know, warmed get, up oh, and stuff? You know, like power building, you know, so they get these companies from Singapore yeah, yeah, yeah. that want to increase that kind of dynamics between their staff. So Russell would arrange these events down at the Hilton Hotel. Ask him about it when he comes down, you yeah. <laughs> So I used to go along to some of them before, a long time ago. Is this when he had ginger hair? Yeah. Or yeah. bleach blonde hair as well at the time? Uh, yeah, I think it was ginger, or maybe a bit of blonde in there. It's got to be about 15 years ago. Long time. Russell's back. Um, Russell, did you ever do any corporate team building stuff down at the Hilton, down south? Loads. With your ginger hair? What, were you do- what kind of thing were you doing? Were you like Mr. Motivator, getting people up and running and <laughs> clapping and cheering and stuff? No, that, that, was, that was back in our... When I ran the management training company. When, when, what do I? I ran a management training company. Before I ran dog training. Oh. I ran people training. You're a better dog trainer than you are a people trainer, aren't you? Yes. Mm. So let's get back to um, Simon. How did, how did that come up? I was just asking me how I knew you and I was just I explaining. I just mentioned to Simon about our conversation that we had on the way here. All oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't do it live on it. Oh, no, I did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Fair enough. Actually, you said enough. I could. No, fair enough. I didn't do it as much as I should have done. Was that at the Hilton? Yeah. At the Arcadia. And I knew her as well, which I didn't know. I might have been lucky. Yeah. You're thinking, uh, yeah, thinking, yeah, yes, thinking. Yes, yes, Russell's yeah. thinking now. No, I was actually. <laughs> <trying>. Nervous thinking. <laughs> um, we have a, a new question that we've decided to, and you're, you're our first person we're okay. asking this oh, to. Oh, yes. Um, so, in any particular field, sport, cookery, or anything, we would like to know who you think is the greatest of all time. In any field? In any, you pick a field, you pick whatever you want. Doesn't I'm going to I'm gonna suggest don't go with sailing. No, 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 because that, that wouldn't get me anywhere. <laughs> Field. Actor. Okay. All right. Actor, Johnny Depp. You think he is the greatest actor of all time? I think so, yeah. I think he's really diverse. I think his characters he portrays are so wild and wacky. And he's like, yeah. It's not a bad shout. We actually think deeply into it. Yeah. There's different characters he's played. You know, he's gone from good. gangster to Charlie and the Chocolate Factory he, to... Awesome. No, you know. Why? You didn't like that? I did. It's just, it's like any, I guess it's like, there's very few films that when you watch a remake that you think, yeah, that's a better version. We're not talking about if it was a better version, we're talking about his portrayal of Charlie, which I thought was very good. He I took it to a different extreme. Nah, possibly. Willy I Wonka, it wasn't Charlie. Charlie's the Sorry, yeah, 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 Willy yeah, Wonka. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I yeah, just... If you played Charlie, boy, that'd be really wild. <laughs> 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 Anyway, I, Johnny Depp, it's a good one. Well, we'll take Johnny yeah, Depp. No, I can't yeah. with Johnny Depp. With Johnny Depp. Russell, your question. Um, well, I, I, I think actually there's a few things that you've done that I want to put on my list now, actually. But of all the things... Hold on, what things do you want to put that Simon's done on your bucket list? Well, I'm thinking, you know, trashing boats, gun running. 
I've done trashing boats. I've never done gun running. Well, there you go. You see, so we can put that on our list. Okay. So what sort of things have you got on your bucket list? Good question. Um, I know. That's why I asked it. So I've tried to... I've never really had a bucket list. I've pretty lived... I've lived quite a exciting... Full up, yes. <laughs> full, up, full up life already. So there are things that I haven't done that I'd like to do. I'd like to climb, climb Mount Everest. At least have an attempt. That's certainly up there. Now... It I, is up there. It sure. is up there. Yeah, <laughs> no, really up there. Definitely. That's something I'd love to do. Um, I'd like to sail across the Pacific. No, don't do it. Yeah, that. no, no, no. Seriously, no, no. Don't. trust us. We're telling you. <laughs> do anyone that's listening to this podcast, no, no, no. If, if Simon approaches you and wants to get on your boat, <laughs> say no. Even if you're going to have a day trip to Pangnar, don't no, take don't, Simon don't do you, it. Right? He's not coming. <laughs> no, I would, seriously. I, no, no, yeah, you I, would, I, I do. That's, that's definitely something I, I will attempt. Watch whether, whether, I'll survive, whether I'll survive or not, that's, that's another question. Um, dive with sharks. That's something I've never done. Yep. I'd love to get in a shark tank down in South Africa and yeah, plunge in there. That's well. certainly something um, I'd like to do. What else? Climb Kilimanjaro, the big uh, mountain yeah. in, in so Africa. I, I remember talking to M. AJ. I, I like the idea of climbing a mountain as well. So Kilimanjaro is quite bland. I mean, it's, it's a you know, five to seven day trek for the acclimatization and all that, but it's just quite bland. Everest has got all the appeal of it, but it's just, it's small, obviously not now, but it's just swamped with. There's just lines of people. The the beauty is kind of gone from it. It's just this endless slog following people after people. That's the bit that kind of well, there's a few bits. That well done off, for breaking Simon's dreams, Russell. No, well, I think that's what now, to do. I think now it might be a bit quieter, don't you think? Well, now it probably will be. Yeah, yeah. you could go out there and there'd be no one there. Yeah. Yeah, you'll be, be on a few your own. people out there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's me doing a Frozen impression. All right, okay. Yeah, it's like his Guns impression. Yeah. <laughs> My Frozen impression was much better than his Guns impression. Um, Simon. Yes. Go on, you had one more. That's no, all you pointed just say, at. Just, um, how long have you had Vegan Table? We've been open just over two years now. Okay, and what's your sort of plans sort of moving forward? And I, I asked that knowing that you've recently, if I understand correctly, won some awards. We have, yeah. Oh, we... I just want to say, that's I, brilliant, Russell. I, that's the way you. This is, this you is sick why. This is why in. I'm here. Oh, I would have. I've just. I would have gone. I'd have left. I'd have hung up by now. Yeah. So there was this event in um, Bangkok called the um, Be- uh, Plant Based Awards 2020, and it was held at Sansiri Park off Sukhumvit, and basically it was a vote, uh, vote-based decision. So basically, people could uh, go online and they could choose which best, which was the best restaurant, best. Burger, best plant-based dish, etc., etc., and we won the best plant-based restaurant in Phuket. We won the best burger, and we won the best Thai dish. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> they have a category saying best best burger in Phuket, or just best burger in, in Thailand. Plant-based. Plant-based. Yeah. I think there's a little bit of copyright going on. Is that here? litigation? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> might be a little fight. Yeah. <laughs> So anyway, we won that. So we got three awards. So I'm just waiting for my uh, trophies to be sent down. Do they have a little um, a, a do, a little dinner, or a gala dinner or anything? Or was it just a... It was it was a weekend event. So they basically okay. had a big stage with like a panel of judges and entertainers and uh, speakers that were coming discussing everything about plant-based and vegan so food. Slightly more, well, it's slightly better than Phuket's Best Burger, which happened on the 14th of November, which Simon will be at. I will be at table. with our winning burger. Yeah, yeah. So you can come down and try... And vote so you've, for us so you've won an award, and I, now you're going for the big one. I'm going for the big one. Now Phuket's the best big burger. Because last time we only came second. Right. Yeah. 
So I've got to, I've got to make sure that we're first. Be interesting this time because I think this time I'm going to go public vote as well, and I think um, I think that definitely that, will make win. a huge definitely difference. Will win. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. No, I think you're right. I think yeah. that'll make a big, big difference. I think the vegan and the vegetarian ones will um, go up the rankings this year. Yeah. Have we got any? Have I got any competitors this year, Madame? Yeah, there's a couple. That, there's Sala that's interesting, the vegan and a, a meat one. A couple of the guys, the hotels are doing vegans and. Yeah. Or vegetarian and meats. Okay. It's been really interesting the last few years seeing the, the advancements and developments with vegan food. And I don't mean like um, just specifically burgers, but food in general. So, because um, you're right, I mean, going back to what you were saying before, you know, you think vegan stuff will have some lettuce, maybe a bit of tomato, right? So, but the quality. Yeah, I mean, of it's, food it's that's you, you basically got a, a, an open palate yeah. of creativity. So, it's like with Italian food, you've got to follow a certain regimen of like yeah. ingredients or methods yeah with vegan food you can recreate every single type of food that's available and make it your own mm. yeah your own recipe your own imagination can you know can, can get get the best of itself so definitely the the, the future is vegan join the revolution join the revolution well yeah. i've got my avocado rings sat here with our garlic mayo which we're going to tuck into momentarily so there we go, we're starting. They look great, don't they? They do, actually. They're yeah. big rings. Yeah, that's, a, that's a big ring. Thank you very much. <laughs> On that note, <laughs> Simon, vegan table. Join the revolution. Come and try uh, the vegan table. It, what's the road called it's on? Uh, Rosada Road. It's the main road in Phuket Town. It's uh, Rosada Road. It's one of the main roads in Phuket Town. There are many others. <laughs> Let's not be roadist. Um, make sure you come along and check it out. You will be at the burger competition on the 14th I of will be, November, yeah. which is at Blue Tree Phuket. But, um, I've eaten here with Simon and I've actually enjoyed a lot of other food and I've bought mayonnaise and stuff so it's um I practice what I preach Jason was in here the other day Jason Wilder we don't talk oh. about Jason Wilder do you know yeah. <laughs> is he an enemy now no nah, he's not I love he's him to death. we need to get him on the podcast actually. Actually. it's just finding the time when he's not drunk yeah. which is the difficult thing <laughs> I think I found, I found him the other night he wasn't drunk he came in and had a Hungover. Yeah. he looked a bit there you go. a bit wired but bless him <laughs> Uh, Simon, thank you much for your time. Yep. Appreciate Thanks it. Thanks for coming, Cheers. guys. Yeah. Take Thanks, Russell. Cheers, pal. Cheers, bye. bye. Welcome to the outro. Hello, Jay. Hi, Russell. How are you? I'm all right, mate. How's your week we- been here at Canada? Oh, wrong, wrong, wrong podcast. Wrong pod. Wrong pod. <laughs> that was Simon Thomas from The Vegan Table. Really nice place. Nice place. That. And what a cool story he's got. Very, yeah. I mean, I would put that in my top four i reckon of, of the stories that we've had on this podcast that was pretty i really want to ask you what your top four are but i'm not we'll save that for another time um i liked him because not only is he the modern day indiana jones <laughs> i really still think he wants to be indiana jones well, who doesn't and i still think he has an itching for it because you could see is he talked about that more than he talked about anything else true that yeah that's the point i might watch last crusade actually indiana jones he wasn't in it no, he wasn't, but Sean Connery was. Oh, we just that's right. Yeah, Sorry, yeah. we're recording this on the Monday. We recorded Simon on the Friday. We're now at Chateau de Canine, the old school recording studio. It might sound <laughs> a bit echoey because it's a bit echoey in here. Well, I'm, just, I'm having a cleaning day. But um, yeah, it's been a... make it... Wait for it. Go on. Squeaky clean. Nice. <laughs> it's been a, uh, a weekend of deaths, unfortunately, with Sean Connery and Nobby Styles. That's a cheery thought for you. Yeah, anyway, happy days. Happy days. Jamie Shark and Friends podcast. 2020, the keeping year that it, keeps on Keeping giving. it upbeat. Uh, no, Simon Thomas, it's amazing. If you um, have never tried vegan food, then I recommend go there. Both Russ and I have eaten there. I've eaten there on separate occasions as well as the Friday one where we did eat. Um, but it is pretty cool, and he's a really cool guy. Uh, yeah, I've got a lot of time for Simon. And the place is very good. And the thing with the, the whole vegan movement is it's slowly 
gathering pace and catching on and more people are sort of going down that particular path. And I think for those that are, uh, are not like us, I would argue, that are not on that particular bandwagon, the and would normally shy away from going to a vegan place because it was just, and we discussed this in the pod, it's just lettuce and tomatoes. Tomato. Don't like tomatoes. So you're just down to the lettuce. I like lettuce. But when, but some of the vegan restaurants that are coming up now and vegan table being one of them that do it really, really well, like really genuinely tasty food. You're not concerned about whether it's got chicken, pork or salads or whatever, but just the fact that it's a really good food. No, I think that's the thing, isn't it? No, I think you're right. And I don't think we should call it. It's not just a, it's a restaurant that serves really good food. Yeah. 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 And that's actually a better way. It's just it. called the vegan table. Yeah. The revolution has begun yeah. there. No, I really like it. And um, they're going to be at the burger competition on the 14th of November at Blue Tree in Chantelay. So make sure you go and check out their burgers. They came second last time. They're, they're, they're my tip for the for the title this year. I'm not sure they'll win the big title. No, I, I reckon they will. No, 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 they won't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm on board the old <laughs> vegan thing, but there's a limit. Yeah. There's a limit yeah. to, to where it but comes But they might in. not win that one. But again, as you were saying, they've won, they've won awards already for their food. Well, no, that's true. And we do have two awards. We have the meat version of the award and we do have the vegan vegetarian version. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, uh, yeah, I definitely think they're in the running. It'll be interesting to see how they get on. Yes. Uh, no, I like Simon. Go and check him out. Make sure you mention Jada Shark and Friends podcast when you're there. You won't get anything, but he might give you a, a free shot of kombucha if you like fermented tea which i do i know you're drinking it now I'm aren't drinking you a you're drinking a nice it's a glass of water with a splash of kombucha in it and i'm drinking a pepsi max and that's the difference between you and i yes Squeak. right um guess what we got coming up uh we have the launch day tomorrow of this podcast which will be well, yesterday. Well, that'd today. be silly because people are listening to it now if they yeah. listen to it on the day. Um, now we've got Bartcast com- comes out on Thursday. Bartcast on Thursday. Russell's watch is ringing. Must be hug time. No, it means that the... No, it doesn't matter. No, okay. And uh, we've got Eka. Eka Sounds, the amazing singer Eka, we the do. very gorgeous Eka. She will be with us next week. This week. No, we've next week because, Russell, you're not very good at this, are you? This is coming out today, which is Tuesday. Although no, we're recording this Monday. Monday. So it's All right, okay. Look, I'm in land all yeah, right so this week will be friday and we're interviewing no i know but it won't come out till next week which is tuesday people don't need to listen to this silly conversation but they enjoy this part of the conversation i don't know if they do i'm or very not. confused uh make sure you listen to bartcast that comes out off. on thursdays <laughs> it is your day off um bartcast is an amazing podcast all about dogs if you've got a dog or thinking about getting a dog then make sure you check out bartcast if you need your dog trained or you need somewhere for your dog to stay for short term or long term make sure you go to canine point academy Excuse and you. check them out. Go to the beach club. I was there yesterday with my doggy and a few other doggies, and it was fun. And was the kids, fun. I um, kids enjoyed it. I donated Russell eight sticks, a box of sticks. It was actually a bucket of sticks. Yeah. Your mum gave the bucket, the resort assistant, and I got <laughs> the eight sticks and put them in the her a few bucket. Tennis balls um, donated the other day as well. Yep, and we put them all together. So if you've got anything to donate that dogs like to run and catch, then Russell <laughs> will take it. Hmm. Um. Check us out on Facebook, check us out on Instagram, check us out on YouTube, check us out on Twitter, or you can just go to phuketpodcast.com, which is probably where I would suggest you go. I would. Cool. Thanks, Cheers, Russell. Buddy. Have a great week. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Oh no, you've chewed my favourite shoes. Get off the bed. Get out. Patch, get out the bin now. Oh my God, what have you done? Does this sound familiar to you? Well, panic not. Help is very much at hand here at Canine Point. Whether you just want a bit more obedience from your dog or need some help with some issues, 
get in touch at caninepointacademy.com. Time. No beginning, no end. An infinite procession that humbles our mortality. But there are moments in life that transcend our fate. Burgers, crafted by gods among men. These are the burgers that echo through the ages. Like the mythical gods of ancient Greece, they may thrill us, inspire us, at times make us angry, but they will never let us forget them. Saturday the 14th of November is their night, their battle, their moment of ultimate sacrifice. Welcome to Phuket's Best Burger. Greatness, redemption, glory. <laughs> <laughs>